Hey guys, Tyson Popplestone here. This is the Relax Running Podcast. Welcome back. Welcome if it's your first time here. My guest today is a guy by the name of Dean Karnazes. I, I first heard of him in 2011 as the ultra marathon man when I saw him on the news as a bloke who was committing to running across the United States of America. He started at Disneyland in LA, ran all the way to New York City. Uh, it sort of just shot him to the forefront of so many of the big news platforms and interview platforms. He's You might have seen him on the Dave Letterman show or uh, up late with Conan O'Brien. He's been on the cover of Runner's World magazine and uh, he's, a, he's a pretty well-featured runner. There's not a lot of people outside Ali Kipchoge who have uh, been in front of so many people with their message about running. I really like his perspective on escaping comfort. He says that so many of us have settled for comfort because we believe that's where happiness is found and he challenges that by some of the feats that he sets for himself. So really excited to be able to introduce him to you if you haven't heard of him yet. Uh, just as a heads up, this is a podcast that was record, uh, recorded about two years ago when I was living in London um, on a podcast that I, I no longer do. So I thought if you had never heard it before, it's, it's just such a good chat uh, that I wanted to bring to your attention. So I've posted it here on a more relevant platform, The Relaxed Running Show. Uh, hey, uh, Dean's got his website, just his name.com. Check it out. He's, uh, he's got some really interesting stories to tell. So let me get out of your way and introduce to you the ultra marathon man, Dean Karnazes. I was actually really interested in starting at the at the foundation story for you because I think it's a really fun story the way you get back into the ultra marathon running scene. Um, could could you walk us through the big night that you were having on your thirtieth birthday and uh, the mischief you got up to, and then the decision you made at the end of that night? Yeah, so you know, to explain how I became a a runner, we need to you know turn back the the clock to um, to the time I was in kindergarten. So when I was six years old, I used to love to run home from kindergarten as a little boy. I just couldn't sit still in class. I um you know what little boy wants to be told to sit still and pay attention? You know we just want to run wild and <laughs> mm-hmm. not pay attention. So I would sit still. I remember in class, and as soon as the bell rang, I would just run home. And, you know, I ran competitively up until I was uh, a freshman in high school and then quit running altogether. So at, um, at age of 15, I just stopped running. And then to your, you know, to your point, I was in a, uh, a bar, a pub, if you will, in San Francisco on the night of my 30th birthday, uh, you know, doing what we do on our 30th birthday. I was getting properly, properly drunk, <laughs> <laughs> or as you say in Australia, pissed as a lizard. <laughs> And uh, at, you know, right around midnight, I said to my buddies, I said, I'm, you know, to me, to me mates, I said, I'm leaving, uh, I'm leaving. And they said, where are you going? You know, it's your 30th birthday. Let's have another you know, round of tequila shots. And I said, no, I'm going to run 30 miles right now to celebrate my 30th birthday. And they looked at me and they said, you know, you're not a runner. You're drunk. And I said, yeah, I am. I'm very drunk, but I'm still going to do it. And so I, I walked out of the bar and I peeled off my pants. I had some like silk boxer shorts on as underwear. And I just thought these are kind of comfortable, <laughs> so I I just started running off into the night, uh, thinking, okay, let's let's run 30 miles right now and kind of take your life back because I, I hated the direction my life was going, even as a 30 year old, which is kind of young. But you know, I was a business guy, I had a cush corporate job, and I was bored stiff. I mean, I just hated being a business guy. It wasn't me, and that was my uh, 
my reaction was to get very drunk and try to run 30 miles. <laughs> <laughs> so you said that uh, early early in the piece, you were a, a big fan of the, the running. And when you were about 15, you decided to put it all to the side. So from that time, you uh, started getting into the business world. So in that 15 years, uh, there was absolutely no running going on? No, I mean, there, you know, I, I don't want to say I was a complete slacker because I loved to surf. And I, you know, I was uh, an avid windsurfer. So I was still fairly active, but I just was not doing any sort of cardiovascular exercise and certainly wasn't running. I mean, if, if I was being chased down an alley, <laughs> I, I'd run, but it's short of that. Uh, so what was it about that night? You said that there were a few things going on that you weren't entirely happy with in your life. You mean you'd settled down into a corporate job and you were out having a big night. Was it something that inspired you specifically that night to decide that you were going to go out and run these 30 miles? You know, it was funny. It was kind of a culmination of things. I mean, one, I knew I had known for the past couple of years that I didn't like my job that I, I just didn't feel natural as a business guy. You know, I went through the training, you know, I went through graduate school, I went through business school. And here I am in my vocation thinking, man, I, I just, I don't like what I'm doing. And, and that particular night, um, it, uh, a woman started, you know, I was happily married to my high school sweetheart, but a woman started coming on to me, uh, a woman that both my wife and I were good friends with, we knew. And, you know, and she was a very attractive woman and I was drunk, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm feeling those temptations and I just kind of saw my life scripted in front of me. I thought, you know, I'm going to be a, a 50 year old man, you know, bald, fat, you know, having multiple affairs, a trophy wife, you know, red sports car, uh, or I'm going to, you know, lead a life that I really want to live a more fulfilling, meaningful life to me by, you know, being a runner, doing what I really love. And I kind of, those two choices just seemed black and white before me at that, at that split second. And I thought, leave the bar and, and go. <laughs> yeah. And, and that was, that was it. Yeah. That was the impetus that got me out the door. So from the time that you started running, or should I say from the time that you ended that, uh, that 30 mile run, at, at what point did you realize that this is something that you were going to really pursue? Because for any athletes out there, I guess a lot of us would realize that there's not a lot of money in the athletic scene, especially in the ultra distance running scene. So uh, what gave you the confidence or, or what gave you the clarity to think, you know what, this is actually what I'm going to be able to focus on? And and what was that journey from where you were in the corporate world to start being a, a full-time runner? Yeah. So, I mean, the transition took a couple of years and you're absolutely right. It was the scariest thing I've ever done because, um, my wife, you know, at the time was, was pregnant. And, um, so we had a, you know, my first, our daughter on the way and, you know, here I've got a stable corporate job, a steady paycheck. You know, I've got healthcare benefits. I had a really nice company car. You know, I had a 401k matching program. I had stock options, all of these things. And to walk away from all of that and think, I'm going to make a run, you know, a living, a go of it, running, you know, ultra marathons. Where, to your point, you know, even if you win, you get a belt buckle. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can barely sell on eBay if you want to. So, you know, I thought, how am I going to, how am I going to make a go of this? I had no idea, but I thought, you know, you love what you're, you love it, and you'll figure a way to do it. Just because your passion is so strong, you'll work 24 hours a day if you have to to somehow make a go of it. So. I thought, you know, start by just writing a book. I, I wanted to, always wanted to write a book. It was kind of on my, in my life list. Like, you know, many people aspire to write a book. It's just something, you know, people want to do as an accomplishment. So I wrote a book about running. It was kind of a memoir about how I got into running. And I thought, all right, well, I wrote the book. You know, I can check that off my list. Maybe five of my friends will buy it if I'm lucky. And all of a sudden, it became a New York Times bestseller. 
And I thought, wow, even though there's, you know, there's no money in winning these ultra marathons, there's a powerful message here. Like, how do you, how do you leverage this message and, and, and somehow make that into, uh, you know, into a, into a, a, a consistent, you know, paycheck. And, and that was kind of where my launching point to think, all right, you can, you can do this. Uh, you know, after my book came out. So from the time the book came out and started selling a whole heap of copies, was that the actual foundation point that allowed you at least the starting point to be able to make running your full-time move? Was that uh, the time that you left the corporate job or had that been a gradual process out of there and into the running scene or the book pretty much just changed it all for you? You know, the, the book, it, you know, it didn't provide the, uh, you know, the income that I needed. Um, it provided a bit of income, but it was more um, a validation that um, there's something here. There's something bigger. There's a bigger message in ultra marathoning um, that can be leveraged. And so, right about the time the book came out, I, I ran a hundred mile race called the Western States 100 Mile Endurance Run, which is you know the first and probably the most famous hundred mile foot race, uh, hundred mile you know trail ultra marathon in the world. And at the finish line, I was approached by two gentlemen um, that said they were from an outdoor uh, apparel company called the North Face which you probably know the brand, the North Face. Yeah. And they said, you know, we're, we're really liking this trail running scene. It's kind of part of our heritage. I mean, we're a hiking company, you know, we're a mountaineering company and we like um, this kind of uh, trail scene that's emerging. We want to design some footwear, you know, some shoes for specifically for trail running. You know, would you be interested in helping with this project? And, you know, it was kind of the, the dream opportunity that they came to me with. And I thought, wow, that, it sounds pretty appealing. So, you know, I got affiliated with the North Face and kind of convinced them um, that trail running is going to be booming in the years to come. One, you know, I could kind of see the writing on the wall with some of the changes that were going on with the environment. You know, fewer, you know, what they call skiable days. So there's less and less snow <laughs> and, and more and more hot, hot days. So you can't sell big, you know, pop jackets when you know when it's warm outside but you can you know sell trail running you know trail inspired light gear and so um you know with that partnership with the north face we built that um and that was kind of the the impetus to uh to resign from my job and what was going through your head on a personal level here because i understand i've got a history as being a middle distance athlete and i always enjoyed the uh the training to an extent i love going out and i love the feeling of uh, of finishing a run or even being out there a lot of the time when I was having a good day. But I know there was a couple of long runs. So Sunday was my long run day where I would head out for what would be the equivalent of a morning jog for you, I imagine, where I would run up to an hour and a half to two hours. And some of those days when you just find your flow and you just start getting into a nice rhythm, it's the most beautiful day out. But other days, it's one of the most punishing experiences of your life. And I know, just to jump into some of the runs that you do, I mean, you've run that 350 mile, which is about 560 kilometer race, uh, which obviously just puts to shame any long distance run that I've ever done. But what I would love to know from a man like you is what is it that you actually get out of a run like that? What are you feeling? What are you experiencing uh, when you're out and, and running? You know, when you're running, it, it really depends if you're running or if you're racing. So I always make a distinction between running and racing. Um, when you're racing these long distances, you're thinking about one thing, and that's reaching the finish line. Um, a race, you know, a 100-mile foot race or further is so engaging. It's so um, commanding that it, it demands you pay attention, uh, which I really like. I mean, there's a really a solidarity of focus, and that is – 
finish this dang race. Mm. Um, you know, life, life is pretty cluttered, right? I mean, you know, throughout the course of the day, we're, we're being bombarded with noise, you know, be it our Twitter feed or, you know, advertisements or whatever. But when you're on the race course and you're running a race that's, you know, a great distance like that, you're not thinking about any of that stuff. You're just thinking about how do I fuel properly? You know, how do I pace myself? What, do, what is it going to take for me to reach that finish line? And to me, that's very cleansing because, you know, you're, you're just focused on one single thing for an extended period of time, sometimes 24 or even 48 hours. All you're thinking about is one thing. And I love that. I mean, I emerged from a race physically destroyed, but mentally very um, renewed, if you will. Yeah, I certainly relate to what you mean about the experience of just getting away from all the noise. And in fact, it's something we speak about quite a lot on this podcast with a lot of the guests is there's so much advertising and there's just so much shouting that does take place. And I know things like meditation and um, uh, yoga and, and just getting away from the noise running has started to really take a rise like you predicted a, a few years ago. But I've heard you also speak a little on Rich Roll's podcast about the almost meditative effect uh, that these long distance runs have on you. I'd like to tap into that just a little bit because obviously a man like yourself, there'd be, uh, or I imagine there'd be a lot of routine in your life when it comes to your training. Uh, but is there anything that you implement in your day like yoga and meditation or do you see the running side of your life as covering those bases? You know, running to me does it. People say, do you meditate? And, um, you know, I do yoga, but I do what's called, you know, Bikram yoga, or hot yoga. And I do it primarily, uh, you know, as, as, uh, training and recovery. So I'm not in there for any sort of, you know, spiritual, uh, retreat. And being on a trail alone in nature to me, uh, is, 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 you know, where I find God, if you will. Um, you know, the thing, I think very few people have a relationship with nature these days. Um, most people have a relationship with other people, or their, you know, or their, or their phone. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, to me, I really have, I feel more comfortable by myself in the mountains running than I do in crowds of people in, in cities. Uh, and that's an experience, you know, I, thankfully I've been able to live in both worlds. So I've seen, you know, what it's like to live in, in downtown San Francisco and be surrounded by humanity versus being out by myself, you know, on a, on a distant trail. And that relationship with the trail and nature is very important to me. And I think few people these days really have a relationship. Few people have the opportunity even to have a relationship like that. I, you can, I mean, I, some people will get what I'm saying. Other people will not. <laughs> yeah. I think what you're tapping into there is something that um, it's really come to life in my mind. I've, since I've lived in London, I mean, the, the parks around here are incredible. I'm not sure if you've spent much time over here, but you're in the middle of a massive city of 9 million people, but you've got access to some of uh, the most incredible parks going around. And I think this connection with nature here is maybe a little more accessible than a, a lot of cities. I know back in Melbourne, there's some really small parks, but th this idea of being out there by yourself and experiencing nature and getting in touch with nature, uh, is that something that encourages you to get out and run by yourself or is running with a group a, a big priority of yours? Or what do you sort of prefer? You know, honestly, I prefer running by myself mm. and most days um, I train by myself that said, I really enjoy group runs as well. Um, and when I, I do a lot of group runs, so I was in London not long, you know, in, in, uh, in April, I actually ran the, uh, the London marathon for the first time, but I did a lot of runs, you know, through Hyde Park and with groups of people, yeah. like with the Serpentine Running Club, you know, and there's 60, 70 people that we all go on a run together. And, um, I, I enjoy that. It's very social. 
But then again, um, you know, given my choice uh, when I'm at home, for instance, I don't I don't go running with other people. I, you know, there's certainly running groups in the area. I just prefer to run by myself. Yeah, I can imagine not many people would want to run the lengths that you're <laughs> you're running either. Well, you know, I, I, there's certain guys I love to train, guys and women I love to train with. Um, but it's you know, it's a different experience when you're when you're running with someone mm. versus running you know by yourself. Yeah, yeah. Look, I spoke to the Iron Cowboy, James Lawrence, about a month and a half ago. And what I really liked about speaking with him was uh, the endurance and the loneliness and and just the hardship that you experience out on uh, races of the lengths that you guys are doing. But uh, what I'd love is if you could just walk us through a couple of maybe the uh, biggest or the most challenging races that you've been a part of, or even just runs. I would love you to give the audience a little taste of, uh, you know, some of the incredible accomplishments that you've actually uh, achieved. Well, you know, I've I've run um, on all seven continents uh, twice now, so I've seen a lot of the world. I mean, it's it's you know the the list of things I've done have been kind of remarkable. And even when I rattle it up, I'm amazed that uh, anyone has done these sort of things. I mean, I ran uh, 50 marathons in all of the 50 U.S. states in 50 consecutive days. Uh, I've run um, you know from Los Angeles across America to Los to uh, New York City. So I ran for 75 days. Uh, straight, you know, 40 to 50 miles a day across America. Um, you know, I've run uh, the, across the Gobi Desert, the the Atacama, uh, the Sahara, uh, Antarctica. I've been to Antarctica running twice. Um, I've run, you know, there's a race called the Badwater Ultramarathon, which yeah. is a uh, 135. Yeah, so I've run uh, the Badwater Ultramarathon 10 times. <laughs> I've run the Western States, you know, uh, 110 times. I've run you know, probably I haven't kept track. I mean, after about uh, after a hundred, you know, marathons, I thought maybe it was two hundred. I can't even remember. I think it was after two hundred marathons. I'm like, all right, stop counting. Just put all your medals in a box. And it's like every weekend I'm running a marathon. And I probably have run maybe five hundred marathons now. One of these wow. days I'm going to go through all those boxes and just you know tally up those medals but i've just got heaps of medals in my garage yeah so how do you plan for the next race then because obviously with the uh with some of the runs and the achievements that you've just reeled off there i I can imagine it gets more difficult to plan something that really surprises you and everyone who knows what it is you get up to Uh, what's next on the on the calendar we'll talk a little bit about the roads to, to sparta in a few minutes but i'd love to hear about a couple of the things that you've got planned well you know People say, "How are you going to one up your your you know your your last achievement, quote unquote?" And I ne- I never think of it in that way. I just think, what would be kind of the you know the the most insane, incredible adventure you could embark on? Mm-hmm. And to me, um, you know, seeing the world and running is is just fantastic. I mean, that's how I kind of relate to the world is through you know, moving down the road at seven miles an hour. Mm. So I'm hoping to run a marathon in every country of the world in a one year time frame. So set on a global expedition and, you know, there's 203 countries and run a marathon in each and every one of them. Well, that is incredible. Is that a, is that a goal that's coming up shortly or is this a couple of years worth of planning in order to get that one ready? <laughs> if we had done this uh, this interview six years ago, I would have just then said, "Okay, here's what I'm doing next year." <laughs> and if we'd done this five years ago, I said, "Okay, here's what I'm doing next year." Four years ago, so this has been a challenging endeavor to pull together. So I'm working with the uh, the U.S. State Department and the UN on getting passports and permits into all of these countries. So um, I've been saying I'm going to do it now for six years, and hopefully. 
2018 is the year. But it's it's a very complex project, and uh, people say, "Do you ever fail?" And I love what's going on now because I I tell people I've been failing for this past six years, and I'm continue to fail until I succeed. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna pull, damn it, I'm gonna do this, um, and I'll fail up to the day I take off to do it. Yeah, no, that's an amazing attitude. It's an amazing attitude, Dean. Uh, what I'm really interested in hearing as well is, has it sp- surprised you just the amount of publicity that some of your some of your runs have got? Like I've seen that you're on the Letterman show over in the states, and you're on Conan, and some of the celebrities and some of the names and some of the platforms that you've had to share your message must just blow your mind. You know, I can imagine you looking back to your thirtieth birthday and just envisioning what would take place. Has, has that surprised you the amount of attention that? the things that you're doing, Scott? Incredibly so. And and how this attention has come about. I mean, um, you know, people say to me, you must have an incredible publicist. And I'm like, oh, publicist? <laughs> <laughs> what? I mean, you're looking at the publicist. I, I have no publicist. You know, it's, uh, it's, these have all flown my way. I mean, it's, in, it's amazing that, you know, like when I was running across America, for instance, here, here's a typical Dean story. I'm getting toward Washington, D.C., and my phone rings. So I take the call and there's it's this voice on the other line says, hey, I'm from I'm calling from the White House. There's someone here that wants to meet you. And of course, I'm thinking this is a prank call or something like, OK, the White House, you know, who, who wants to meet me at the White House? And this voice says, well, her name is Michelle. Oh. And I'm like, OK, Michelle. And I'm thinking, you know, there's a security detail at the White House named Michelle or you know, maybe one of the sous chefs in the <laughs> kitchen is named Michelle. So I'm like, OK, Michelle, Michelle, who? And voice says, well, her last name is Obama, Michelle Obama. Have you heard of who this is? Oh, my gosh. Yes, I know who Michelle Obama is. Yeah, I've been running across America, but I still know know who Michelle Obama (laughs) is. So literally, I'm running past the gates of the White House. The Secret Service opened the gates. They waved me through. You know, in front of this crowd of people that mill around outside the White House, here's this guy running down the street. He all of a sudden gets, you know, waved in. I run into the gates, um, you know, they slam the gates behind me, and I, I literally run down the hallway of the White House, and uh, someone says, okay, well, hang a, hang a left here. She's out on the South Garden waiting for you. So I make a left, and I run out to the grass of, you know, the South Garden of the White House, and there's Michelle Obama, and she gives me a big hug. I mean, she's like, oh, my God. She's like, it's such an honor to meet you. I've been watching you every day on the news. You're incredible. Oh, were you self-conscious about the fact you were sweating? I'm sweating. I mean, I've been running for, you know, 65 days across America. I've barely been showering for 65 days and I'm hugging the first lady. And, yeah, you know, and, and we spend some time together and you know, we do some interviews and, and she's just so gracious. And then my crew just starts, you know, pulling at my curtail saying, hey, you know, you've only run 25 miles today. You got another 25 miles to go. So I say goodbye to uh, Michelle Obama and, you know, five miles down the road, you know, cars are running me off the road. People are flipping me off. You know, they're throwing food at me. Like, get out of the way, you fucking runner. <laughs> and I'm thinking, where's the respect, people? If you knew where I was five miles ago, you'd be treating me like royalty. What's going on here? That is so, so that's, you know, Yeah, that's that's a typical experience of a day of my life. It's just, it's bizarre. That is amazing. So what was going through your mind when you're standing there in the, well, actually, what was going through your mind as you're running down the hallway of the White House about to meet Michelle Obama? Oh, the whole thing was surreal. I mean, just, you know, just to be running down the street in front of the White You know, I've certainly walked the street in front of the White House before. And, you know, there's hundreds of people, you know, that just walk that street looking, taking pictures, whatever. But to see this gate open up and these, you know, these 
these security details with automatic rifles, you, you know, I don't even know what sort of ammo they got, just waving me in, giving me high fives, like, hey, Dean, how's it going, man? You're, you're, you're killing it. Keep going. High-fiving me as I'm running, you know, through the, the gate. And then, you know, seeing a guy waving me into the White House, <laughs> I mean, imagine what that must have felt like, uh, you know, if you got waved into Buckingham Palace and you're just running down a hallway through Buckingham Palace. And I'm like, God, you know, you're seeing pictures of I was seeing pictures of George Washington, you know, Abraham Lincoln statues. And then there's someone just standing there. You know, I'm thinking I'm running down the hallway. Who's even watching me? <laughs> I, you know, I'm sure the camera's on me, but, you know, it's, it's all happening so quickly. And then someone just kind of says, OK, hang on left here. There's the South Garden out there. You know, and, you know, as an American citizen, you know all about the South Garden. You've seen interviews there with every president. But to imagine running out there, you know, and then seeing the first lady who, by the way, asked me after we start chatting, can I can I take off my shoes? She's <laughs> Michelle Obama is very tall. So I'm kicking around the South Garden. She's walking around barefoot, you know, and I'm just kind of hanging out with the first lady. It was surreal. That is amazing. So what do you think it is about what you're actually doing that strikes such a chord with people? Because I know I love you because of the fact that I've got a history of middle distance running. I sort of can appreciate exactly what, well, to an extent, I can appreciate what it is you must be going through and what it is that you're appreciating about these long runs. But I mean, my mum has nothing to do with middle distance running, but I mentioned some of the things that she does. And she goes, show me this guy, get him up on YouTube. People are just fascinated. Like, have you got an opinion or an idea about what makes people so interested in a man like yourself? You know, I've been trying to figure that out and I don't think I have the answer. I mean, I think it, I think I, I might mean, I think for one, I'm, I'm bigger than who I really am. And in other words, at a point, my quote unquote brand has become something beyond what I am. <laughs> you know, people haven't, you know, I don't know how all that works in someone's mind, but I think when someone goes through their file card in their head of a runner, you know, first they think of Forrest Gump you know, as a runner. And then they think, oh, well, there's this Dean guy. And I think it might be a fascination with um, the idea of, of exploration and adventure that my run, like running across America was a great adventure. You know, the news was covering me and, you know, they'd show me meeting people in different towns, you know, running through the desert and the heat, you know, crossing the Rocky Mountains in the snow, you know, stopping for food along the way, people coming out and joining me. So it was more this grand sense of adventure. And I think freedom ultimately, like, Hey, this, you know, I'm at work all day. Um, and this guy's out there running all day <laughs> and, you know, I can, I can open up my browser and wow, there's a live shot of him running. This is really cool. So I think it's, you know, with technology, people can relate to what I do or at least see what I do. And they're kind of fascinated with it. I think the other thing is that, you know, I, you and I are interviewing here and if, if, you know, if you see pictures of me or whatever, I, I pass for normal. Like I'm not like this weird you know, you hear about the loneliness of a long distance runner and you think of this, you know, this skinny white male off, you know, running, you know, himself into the ground. And I'm not those things. I mean, I'm, you know, I was a business guy. I'm a family guy. I could pass for normal. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that people are fascinated with that, that, hey, I'm, he's just like me and look what he's doing. Maybe I can do this. I think I've given permission to people to kind of step outside um, you know, their comfort zone. And those are some of the reasons I think, you know, I've resonated with people, but I'm really not that sure. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I'd love to stay on these subjects for a little bit longer, but let me dance around for a minute because I know uh, we're a little short for time, but I, I've got a couple, of, a couple of questions I'd just be really curious to find out from you. Uh, is there a certain routine that you follow? Is there a training program that you follow or do you pretty much just go uh, by how you feel each day? 
You know, it's that's a that's a really good question, and I've worked with um, uh, a coach, Jason Coop. Uh, who's a good friend of mine, a great coach. And, you know, when I was able to set aside uh, training blocks where I could actually, you know, spend six weeks or eight weeks actually training for something, I followed his routine. But that's become less frequent just because I'm traveling so much. I mean, last year I was on the road uh, about 250 days out of the year. So I'm on a plane or, you know, traveling somewhere so frequently that now I've become more of what you call an opportunistic trainer. Mm-hmm. So I, at any opportunity I get, I'm working out. And a lot of times that's, you know, that's pull-ups, push-ups, burpees, um, chair dips in a hotel room. Or, you know, that's a quick five-mile run when I've got an hour break over lunch instead of having lunch with someone. Mm-hmm. So I'm just doing everything I can to be in really good shape um, at any moment. And that also means um, you know, running a marathon. When I'm in a city on a weekend, if there's a race, I'm going to run it. <laughs> and, you know, sponsors are always amazed because they bring out these quote unquote celebrity runners, a lot of who are, you know, retired, um, you know, 10,000 meter or, you know, marathon champions. And, you know, there's a, they, you know, they do a book signing or an appearance in a, in an expo booth at a marathon. And then they go home, you know, the next day at the starting line though, I'm towing the line. I mean, I don't care if I'm not going to win the marathon. I'm still going to run the marathon. I'm there. I'm a runner. That's what I'm going to do. Mm. So, you know, any anytime I'm somewhere, there's a race. I just sign up and, and do the race, regardless of the distance. That is amazing. That is amazing. I bet the big cities love that one. Actually, uh, uh, with the bloke that runs the kind of distances that you're running, uh, uh, personal records, are PRs something that you measure anymore? Is that something that you take note of? Or is it purely about the experience of the run? You know, to me, I always try my best, but I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to chase a marathon PR um, unless it's something I really chase. Like the, the London Marathon, for instance, you know, I'm just going to run a decent time, whatever that might be. I mean, it might be close to three hours. It's always going to be sub four hours, but, you know, I'm just going to run my hardest. Um, now, if one day I say, okay, I'm, you know, when I'm 60 years old, hey, I want to set um, an age group record. Um, then I'm really going to target a particular race and train hard for it. But most of the time, I just jump into a race because I'm there and I just want that base of training. I, I mean, I know if I if I jump into a race, a marathon, for instance, I'm going to run harder than if I just gone on a you know 26.2 mile training run. I, I probably won't push quite as hard. Yeah, yeah. Do you run with headphones or listen to music or podcasts, or you just like the silence? No, I listen to your podcast every day. It's yeah. the best thing ever. <laughs> Beautiful, beautiful. I'll make sure I put that on repeat. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I don't listen to music. I, I sometimes I listen to audiobooks. Um, yeah. I love I love I love reading. And you know, when you're training as much as I am and traveling as much as I am, you just don't have the opportunity. So I probably have five hundred audiobooks on my playlist. Um, and I const I listen sometimes to two or three books yeah, books a week. Wow. So what kind of books do you got on the playlist at the moment? You know, one thing I never listen to is is fiction. Um, my mom is a, an English teacher, and she always used to tell me that uh, fiction is the work of the devil. <laughs> <laughs> so I always listen. I prefer nonfiction, and you know, usually uh, adventure stories, things like um, you know the story of Shackleton. It's a, a book called The Endurance. Shackleton uh, was uh, a, an early explorer that tried to reach the South Pole. Um, a book like um, Into Thin Air by John Krakauer. Yeah. You know, these sort of adventure stories really engage me. 
Yeah, that's unreal. That's unreal. Look, um, uh, we've only got about three more minutes left, so let me just fire a couple more quick ones at you. Um, in terms of inspiration, I mean, a lot of people look up to you and are inspired by the, the work that you do out on the road each day, but but who does Decarnanzas look up to? You know, I look up to my dad. He, You know, the guy, He, I love my dad. We have a great relationship, and, you know, he's, he's just always there for me. He's so dependable. He, We're great friends, and he's just a guy I can rely on. And uh, he's just a good buddy, and I just look up to him. Beautiful, Dean. Well, look, hey, uh, I would love to touch more on the road to Sparta and everything like that. But what I'll do, I'll give it a big, uh, a big shout out in the introduction, and, and and put all the links into the show notes. So anyone who's interested in checking out a little of what you've been up to and your latest book can go and check it out. You sent one to me. Thank you so much. I had a read and loved it, and I'm inspired to uh, to share the word with as many people as I can about it. But Man, super, super grateful that you are that you made some time to be able to stop by and have a little bit of a chat, and hopefully uh, we can touch base in you know uh, twelve months once you've got two hundred and eighty marathons done in every country. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, yeah, that'd be terrific. And you know, um, both uh, my, my my most recent book, The Road to Sparta, and my first book, um, Ultra Marathon Man, uh, were just published in the UK. So uh, for listeners that are unfamiliar with who I am or what I do and want to read more about you know. Who, how I became who I am, I would say Ultramarathon Man is probably a better read, and that's available um, in the UK. Yeah, beautiful. Now, for all the runners out there, can they access that on Audible yet, or is that a little bit further down the road? I think it's on Audible as well. Beautiful. Yeah, all I right. think it, I think they're both available on audio. Yeah, that's, right. a, that's a great, great point, yeah. All right, Dean, no worries. Well, hey, thank you so much for making the time. Super grateful. Awesome to get a chance to chat to you, man. I'm glad we could finally uh, we could finally lock in a date for the chat. Yeah, you got any plans to travel over to the U.S. anytime soon? You know what? My brother-in-law actually lives in Oregon, uh, so he's okay. been there for the last couple of years. He's married a he's married a uh, an American girl, so we try and get over there as much as we can. We think maybe the next twelve to eighteen months, we're going to do our best to get over your way. Well, let, let me know if you end up uh, down in the Bay Area. I'd love to take you running. Uh, man, you know what? <laughs> now you've said that, I'm going to make sure I end up down in the Bay Area. We can go for a run and get some <laughs> get some clam chowder. <laughs> Beautiful, man. Uh, turning into something other than a middle, you call yourself a middle distance runner, but uh, that'll all change if you go out with me. 